0: Hello and welcome to Additive Insight, your source of news, interviews and comments on the latest 3D printing in additive manufacturing intelligence, brought to you by TST Magazine. I'm your host Sam Davis and on today's episode I'm joined by Rush LaSalle, the CEO of ADUP's North America operations. ADUP was born from a joint venture between Michelin and Thieves, with the company bringing to market additive manufacturing solutions based on metal powder bed fusion and directed energy deposition. LaSalle joined the company in the spring of 2022 to help drive the company's growth in the North American market. Throughout our conversation, LaSalle discusses what attracted him to the role as ADAPT's North American CEO, details the capabilities of ADAPT's product portfolio, and provides some insight into the company's R&D efforts. He also discusses the challenges and opportunities of expanding the build volume of powder bed fusion systems. If you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. For more Additive Insight, head over to tstmagazine.com where you can subscribe to the print edition of TST Magazine and our weekly Additive Insight newsletter for free. Rush, welcome to the Additive Insight podcast. It's coming up to a year since you joined ADDUP, um, as the CEO of the of the North America side of the business, how's that first twelve months been um, for you and and the company? What's been going on in, inside that first year?
1: Yeah, Sam. Well, first of all, thanks for uh, having me on the podcast today. Um, boy, twelve months has come and gone. Though it's a it's a welcomed reminder that that much time is gone um it's been amazing Uh, a lot of things happening in the market Uh, we were just at mug last week and had an opportunity to kind of check in on uh, everybody else's perspective but for me personally um i i've I've been very fortunate uh it's it's a great opportunity we've got uh, an amazing team really uh and and here in cincinnati uh, i think that you know some of the fruits of those labors are, are are being presented in some news that we had last week with some new partnerships um, but, you know, Sam, the the, the progress uh, that the company's made over the last five years has been quite, quite good. You know, a lot of the reason I came here was that uh, uh, as an industry, uh, sometimes we have some challenges with the robustness of our processes and the machines that are going into factory space, which is what I experienced uh, in my prior uh, assignment. And, um, you know, really, I think that uh, ADUP is, is making some good strides to solve some of those, those key challenges so that we can uh, make additive a little more ubiquitous in the manufacturing space so it's been a very busy 12 months but having a lot of fun
0: um you mentioned your your prior assignment there so previous to add you're at jable mm-hmm. um and then yeah. before that you've been at Adept technology and uh yeah. fanic as well so what was it that attracted you to this role exactly
1: yeah so um you know if i if i <laughs> Great question. Um, you know what I've really enjoyed is uh, I at one point was a mechanical engineer and then got kicked out of the engineering club and went into the management and sales side of the the business. Um, but at every turn, I've had a good fortune to try and figure out how to take advancing technologies and put them into manufacturing spaces. And I and I love manufacturing, and so that's what drew me uh, way 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 back when I came out of college. And you know, so if I look at all the experience I had with those companies you mentioned. Um, you know, at the end of the day, the technology is really, uh, at the end of the day, a pretty small portion of it. It's how you apply it, uh, the teams that get together and the chemistry between them to make the technology a productive manufacturing solution. And then ultimately that it delivers a product for our customers to the marketplace that they can be proud of and make money on. So um, as I think about, you know, the robotics career and then the the learning I did at Jabil, uh, that was a, an unbelievable, uh, uh, what was it, eight years of learning how manufacturing really works at high volume, um, put that all together. And then when this opportunity presented, it just it, it just seemed like a perfect place to jump in and once again, uh, take what's a good solution stack for metal 3D printing and a really good team and go out and solve some problems in the marketplace.
0: Mm-hmm. And what do you see as the big opportunities for uh, metal 3D printing, particularly the, the powder bed fusion and the DED process types that ADAP is obviously bringing to market?
1: Yeah, without giving a full uh, dissertation on, on how many different applications and subsegment markets there are, because there's a lot, and we play well in some, and we don't particularly play well in others. Um, but you know, the, the markets that we are uh, focused on with, let's start with powder bed, uh, are those in the regulated spaces because we're trying to meet the market where it is, and those are the folks that can take advantage of you know some of the advantages we bring, whether it's lattice structures, whether it's fine features, whether it's some of the things that are – Uh, parent at Michelin takes advantage of in their uh, factories where they produce millions of parts per year on additive machines. Um, You know, winnow that down, and and we're having really good response in the healthcare space, specifically within orthopedics and implants, uh, maybe a little of instrumentation around that, uh, and then as well in aerospace. Now, we don't make particularly large powder bed machines. So we focus on smaller components and, you know, some of the aerospace applications you might think about our satellite and, and some of the smaller things where, again, they can take advantage of the fidelity. Other side of the house on our DED, uh, some of the same advantages so far as fine feature resolution because we're using a powder head and um, then you can get mixed modalities. That's so some of the things that we do differently than others. But at the end of the day, DED wants to, whether it's wire or powder, do really big things, you know, so like rocket casings and and large structures that wouldn't otherwise fit in the powder bed machine. So um, those are the two platforms that we're concentrated on. And what's common between both of those, Sam, is really our processing control and the deposition systems. And we think that's a a little bit of the secret sauce. Mm
0: -hmm. You mentioned um, Michelin and obviously ADAP is kind of the result of a joint venture between Michelin and uh, Favez Group. What is yeah. it like having those um, you know, kind of manufacturing companies as the parent organizations and what is that feedback loop between the work that ADAP is doing and I guess the insights that they're able to provide as a, you know, potential end user or, you know, a manufacturer like anyone else?
1: Yeah. Well, and maybe this will land more fully with folks here in the U.S., but um, I think I'd draw an analogy that, um, you know, when I would come home from uh, engineering school for Thanksgiving and sit around the table and tell my father and my grandfather who, uh, you know, grew up doing manufacturing in a factory space, it's similar because I'd come back with all these great new ideas and, you know, they'd sit, you know, quietly until the end of the story and say, well, you know, we tried this, that, the other thing. Did you think about this, that, the other thing? And, And it tempers a little of the enthusiasm, which I think is welcomed in the industry, um, but, you know, it's 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 the case that uh, this this journey started with Michelin and then shortly thereafter involved uh, thieves, which is a very um, long standing and reputable machine builder. But Michelin had a need. And I think what's different, and this is true across the arc of all technologies, is if you have a need that draws in a technology as compared to a technology looking for a need, um, you know, there's a lot more there, there, because you know what the problems are, you have an end state in mind. And so that's the guidance that uh, both Michelin and Thieves have provided to us. Um, you know, and, and they also have a very good understanding of the mis- of, of the manufacturing environment and the cost basis. And therefore, uh, they, they help us to stay on track financially as well. So there's a lot of goodness there.
0: Yeah. And um, in terms of the adoption of the the powder bed fusion um system the, the FormUp 350 which was you mm-hmm. know the, the flagship um yeah. product product Nevada and obviously the DED that um was brought in through the the acquisition of BAM how would you assess the the adoption of those technologies over the last few years I think maybe ADUP was like launched in 2016 and the acquisition came in in 2018 so yeah what's the assessment of that adoption so far with those those technologies
1: yeah, so um the adoption of the powder bed technology is significantly higher, uh, and there's some underlying market uh, and and technology reasons for that. Um, you know one, the the knowledge base and design capability for powder bed technologies is is much broader. There's a lot more folks who know how to take this technology in and make it productive. Um the other thing is that from an economics perspective, powder bed tends to, not in all cases, but tends to carry better economics for cereal production. Um, so, from a volume perspective, we're seeing more machines and more opportunities present for powder bed and, again, the two markets I mentioned earlier healthcare and aerospace. Uh, as it relates to DED, um, there's a lot of goodness. We've seen a lot of people in you know places like California who are adopting it. Um, a lot more pull we're seeing. Uh, in in wire just because of the speed with which it goes um, but in the niche that we participate in um, you know it's a little slower in part because you really need a lot of expertise around design and that's not just part design that's process and everything else that goes ahead of actually uh, burning powder and so for that reason uh, we're making good progress but not as quickly as we are in the powder bedside.
0: Mm-hmm. On the DAD side had you um obviously when you're at jable jable's obviously a user of the of these technologies um I, what was the perspective from Jabil of of ded as a technology obviously it's compared to powder bed, it's not quite as mature um yeah. but when i certainly when I went to amog last year there was a lot of interest um in terms of the 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 technology and the things that um probably some of your competitors were doing so how mm. do you how do you see the the interest turning into actual like adoption and application of the technology. What's that? What's that yeah. journey, and how, what is that going to take for that all to come to fruition?
1: Yeah. So I, I, I uh, by no means want to speak on behalf of Jabil, but I, I, in answering your question and thinking about the experience I had while there, um, you, you first have to um, split application sets into the serial production of parts. Which Jable is exceptionally high volume, right? And that's a really difficult intersection for most things, right? So, um, you know, in in the in the areas of serial production, um, there's not really much, at least uh, when I was there, discussion around DED uh, because it just doesn't produce enough parts for the types of volumes of 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 programs that Jable gets involved in. now on the powder bed side, there are some intersection points. There's a lot of press around the uh, work de- being done in the healthcare area. And um, there's a lot of activity in aerospace and again, new space uh, defined by satellite and those things. Um, but I think the big distinction, and this is true for lots of manufacturers, not just Jable, is that then you start talking about tooling and you start talking about prototyping. And these sub-segments are really critical, um, not measured by volume of parts produced on a given machine, um, but the ability to do more rapid iter- iteration, and then um, on the ded side of the house specifically, um, there is a lot of tooling application, and the the reason this is an important one, and sometimes it's I I think underpublicized, is if you can take some of the advantage of things, and most folks understand what you know cooling lines, conformal cooling looks like in a molding operation. Um, but you can start to really design some intricate design that gets the heat out of uh, thermal processes like injection molding, extrusion, et cetera. Um, we found a lot of really interesting and high-value applications for DED and powder bed alike, um, but DED, again, lets you do bigger tooling phases. So um, short answer to your question is, on the tooling side of the house, both technologies in metal, we're seeing a lot of adoption, and then it's probably a little bit more narrow for the types of volumes that Jabil would be looking at for uh, powder bed.
0: Mm -hmm. and in terms of you know those experiences from jable obviously um they do stuff at high volume but you get to see when you're there for eight years like you mentioned um i guess what it what it takes and what's required to to do the things they do yeah what have you been able to apply from that experience to to your role at add exactly Uh, uh
1: another really good question so um you know our view is, and it's not shared by every all of our peer group, but but our view is that we need to concentrate on making the very best processing solution, whether it's a powder bed box, whether it's a large DED CNC machine-like, um, and recognize recognize that depending on what you're doing, there's at least three or four other processes that sit ahead or behind us. And in some instances, it grows to 20 to 30 process steps. And the reason this is important, Sam, is that uh, for us, we are concentrating on being one of the spokes and not trying to participate in too many others so that um, our go-to-market is really formed around finding partners who want to stay, not necessarily in the swim lane, because that makes it sound like it's an us versus them, um, but we want to more fully participate with an ecosystem, believing, believing, Sam, that in the future – manufacturing technologies almost always get disaggregated. What does that look like? Well, injection molding. Originally, GE did plastics, machines, house of the future back in the 50s and 60s, but now they focus on what their really core competencies are, and I think we're taking a step towards recognizing where our core competencies are, which is around the processing, the powder handling, and production at that stage, and really relying and working with other folks to take care of the other areas of the business.
0: So, in terms of that ecosystem play and and you guys delivering um you know one part of that ecosystem Mm -hmm. how do you when you're working with customers or talking with customers how do you kind of ensure that what you're delivering is is right for them is that a case of you have to bring partnerships with you or do you have to do Mm. things in a certain way that can leave you open to to the way that they want to do things and the way they want to work how does that all kind of come together
1: Right. Well, at the end of the day, uh, you know, customers always have an opinion of how and, and not just an opinion, but knowledge of how best to put things into their manufacturing environment and serve their needs. So, um, yes, we take heavy cues from them. And yes, uh, we have to bring them a comprehensive solution. We just don't provide all the ingredients for ultimately what's a nice cake. So, you know, that creates a little bit of an adoption curve slowdown because we have to form those partners, we have to put it together so that at the end of the day, an operations manager at a factory at one of our customer sites believes that everyone is there supporting the individual components that go into this. Um, So, yes, we have to bring that to some folks. But in in many of the more mature uh, areas of the market, in healthcare in particular, folks already know what they're looking for. And so for us, what we can have a conversation around is what is really the switching cost from an existing solution that gives you either better economics, better performance. Um, and the other area that we are a little differentiated in is that we're an open uh, platform. So you know, many of the inbound calls for us are, hey, uh, we'd like to use a particular alloy that's not off the shelf with somebody. Um, are you open to doing development? And we're well set up for that. So um, you know we don't have the 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 full package, but we have folks who can help us to bring that to a customer.
0: And in terms of, because I've I've been speaking to a few people recently, and when you're as am as an industry, we have these plays in aerospace and automotive and healthcare and whatever Mm -hmm. other industry. But obviously, each of those industries require different things or want different things with the technologies I use and then customer yep. to customer even within those industries is going to be preferences um how is it difficult to design and develop and then deliver technologies and machines and products when everybody's got different preferences and different requirements how do you go about that
1: uh, yeah another really good question so um the easiest answer for you is that we have the focus. Um, I, I think that what we've done a good job of, not just me but the overall organization, is going out and finding folks that can define use cases and applications that our technology uh, deliver value on. Because as I said uh, earlier, um, there's other. Uh, we have peers who are doing different things better than we can do for different applications, and the discipline. The discipline, Sam, for us is to focus on places where we can deliver value, not try to be everything to everyone. Um, the challenge capital equipment markets have is that you know they have to recoup dollars from the market for their R&D. We're no different in that regard. Um, but I think for us, what we've done a really nice job of is creating a discipline around here's what we do super well, here's what we do, maybe some great space, and here's the things that we just really shouldn't go and waste anybody's time on, and so focusing. now. That takes a niche of a niche additive, and then you know subsegments it pretty quickly. But I think for us as a, as a newcomer to the marketplace, that's that's what we need to do. And then, in the future, the question comes from our shareholders, how do you scale that? And stay tuned. We'll do another uh, podcast later <laughs> and talk about what that looks like.
0: yeah, in terms of r and d, um, and obviously, you can't tell me all of the things that goes on in r and d. But can you give a bit of a a bit of insight into the the work that is ongoing inside R&D and how much of that comes from customer feedback and how much of that is you guys putting your heads together and going, this is the direction we need to go in?
1: Yeah. Um, Well, back to my uh, Thanksgiving analogy, I mean, the good place that we started from was with a very knowledgeable parent in in the form of Michelin. And and it's documented that, um, you know, we came out of their factories because there was a need to continue using a compression roller and fine powder, and that wasn't available from anybody else. So that forms the nucleus, Sam. And so, you know, what I think the, the genesis of the company brought that I was excited about when I joined was an understanding you've got to make this reliable enough, serviceable enough, that somebody in a factory can uh, reliably count on it to support, in their case, the, the molding operations. And again, high volume, critical application that if the machines aren't running, um, you know, there's 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 a big potential for loss of production and and revenue, and so where we started from is let's let's make this portion of the uh, form up. So speaking specifically to um, powder bed, let's make that really reliable. And then what is the next concentric ring that sits around that that we can control? And that's where you see uh, a fair about of, a fair amount of discussion around our monitoring systems. Now they have to start in a somewhat basic uh, level. It it seems basic, but it's actually not. But, you know, recoat monitoring, uh, melt pool monitoring. um, On the surface, it's like, oh, this doesn't seem that hard. Well, it's always that last fraction of percent, uh, the exception handling that makes these things exceptionally hard. So start with good hardware, uh, hopefully industry-leading in some aspects, wrap it with better process control and then i think what you have is a platform from which to then go and do some of the things that the industry's been asking for for a while that might start to adopt ai and other things and just get a very robust processing machine
0: one of the things to have come out of ada um fairly recently um was the the format 350 evolution um, and that is um taking the z the build capacity in the z direction up to um, mm-hmm. a meter, which we've seen um a few companies do now across the industry yeah. with, with powder bed metal machines mm-hmm. can you talk to me about the the opportunities there uh, with that extended z and extended in in the z direction in particular as opposed to x or y
1: sure 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 um well you know there's there's uh a, a few particular classes of applications that sit in one or two specific sectors uh, that we put in the aerospace bucket that are driving that. And, and they're pretty well publicized by by our peer group. But for us, the reason we believe we have permission to play is, is much of that goodness I described so far as the reliable processing, fine feature that comes by way of the interaction of the rulers, um, those industries are demanding some of those thin walls, reduced um, support structures. And some of the things that we think we do very nicely again, mostly for small parts, but some of those same attributes are needed for you know, larger conical or cylindrical shaped uh, applications. And so uh, the market and some particular leading customers have said, hey, if you grow your form up with our 350 by 350 in the Z, um, we could adopt that sort of technology. And that's, that's a little bit of how that narrative looks. Uh, again, we have to be really disciplined about staying close to our core and where we add value. and that's one area where the market and some customers are saying, "Hey, if you do this," and so we're careful carefully exploring how we might uh,
0: participate. Mm-hmm. in mean, when when you have requests like that, um, mm-hmm. and I'm sure you know the user base, very demanding bunch, but to yeah. just you know to take the build volume up um, trying to do the mass by like six hundred and fifty millimeters. Yep. Um, is probably easier said than done so what are the challenges that come into come into play there and what are the considerations you're having to make even to make that decision of if we do this these are the knock-on effects that we're then going to have to address
1: sure well first and foremost it, it, it takes the right partners right because it's manufacturing is all about risk mitigation all right uh, you know it's cost and risk those are the things that you typically pull levers back and forth on and so uh, again, we're a small piece of that puzzle, so we have to find the right partners who understand the answer to the question you just asked. Um, so partnerships are kind of the first thing that we have to look at because um, we need to pull through. Um, mechanically speaking, Sam, growing in the Z, uh, it, 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 that's not the hardest problem. Mechanically speaking, it's just an extension and an extensible. The challenges come in you start to talk about, you know, where in a Z you start to see changes in thermal properties and how do you do a lot of things that sit around the actual spreading and laser systems. And it just gets to be a little bit more challenging, actually a lot more challenging. But that's where, uh, you know, I said earlier that process monitoring and some of the process capabilities um, are going to have to overcome what's becoming a diminished return on investment into accuracy of mechanical systems. Mm-hmm. So um, the answer to your question is it's it's challenging, but not for the reasons a lot of people think. To build the machine, to do you know, a nearly infinite Z is not the hard part. It's how do you get the heat in, heat out, all the things that people who've been in the industry for 30 years have been working on.
0: Mm. Um, one of the – well, I think it's the most recent announcement that's come out of Adder, um, at the time of recording at least is uh, Zeda's installation of the mm. first of eight – form up 350 machines. Can you talk to me about that, You know the collaboration with Zeta, the relationship with Zeta, and I guess your understanding at this stage of how those machines will be applied?
1: Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, there's so many good things about that relationship that I'm personally excited about. uh, Starting with just the opportunity for us to learn more, right? You you asked appropriately about my experience at Jable and many of the employees we have here in Cincinnati have had similar experiences with other great manufacturing companies, um, but this partnership with a, a group of people who've been through the very early days of doing metal additive for critical aerospace systems um, couldn't think of a better pedigree and, uh, frankly, a nicer group of folks. They're, they're just tremendously gracious and humble, and they're they're just a few blocks down the street from us. So the teams together before we even talk about the technology and applications there's a good chemistry to start which is you know it's like the old adage right businesses still do business between people and and so that's that's a good foundation for us now the applications that uh, they have been uh, actively involved in is uh, from the printer press side they bring some novel processing and qualification characteristics into the healthcare space from Uh, their founder's uh, history in the semiconductor industry, and then, as everyone well knows, uh, the the group out here in Cincinnati, originally um, Vertex, uh, is is very well versed and experienced in aerospace and adjacent areas in DoD, and those are the two markets that we are supporting them in. Uh, They're finding applications where, uh, either from a productivity perspective or uh, the utilization of fine powder, or our roller systems, or some of the other things that, again, we think we do differently, that they can deliver value to their customer base, and and that's really what the the beginning of that relationship relationship was, uh, and we've been working together with them for you know, at least six months now.
0: Okay, um, and 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 away from uh, Zada um, and the work that they're doing in, in healthcare and and aerospace, what do you see as the Application trends, specifically with the up 350 and I guess other metal powder bed machines right now. What are the um, the, the trends there in terms of how companies are beginning to use these technologies?
1: Yeah, well, everyone is very clear about the fact that the machines need to become less expensive and <laughs> faster. So uh, no surprises there. And we hear the same thing. Um, but, you know, incrementally, we are seeing progress on both fronts. Um, and it's not just by putting more and more lasers. There's other areas that we're getting better efficiencies. And then ultimately, as I mentioned earlier, manufacturing is all about risk and cost. So, you know, we're, we're trying to drive that curve as rapidly as we can. So that, that trend still exists, and it won't go away. Uh, it's true for every other manufacturing technology. Um, you know, some of the other trends that, that we're looking at, and you asked about our extended Z, um, there's a, there is a desire to do large part. There's been for decades. Uh, questions about near net shape, casting replacement, and much of that has to do with where you have low volume, very high value casted components is just an example. Um, there's a belief uh, that there needs to be a conversion, um, and there needs to be, but, but there, there's inherent challenges, whether it's uh, how much powder you have to put into a meter or a meter and a half uh, cubed build, or there, there's just other logistical areas and the cost of powder, etc. So, bigger there's there's a constant drum around bigger and then as i say faster and less costly
0: mm-hmm. um one thing you you've mentioned a couple of a couple of times is uh manufacturing being about cost versus risk and obviously mm-hmm. um since the pandemic really the the economy hasn't quite been stable so i was wondering what what impact that is having on on am adoption and whether it's a a positive positive one because people can see there's uh, potential advantages to to be gained from adopting additive and applying it or a slightly negative one because it p- companies aren't necessarily taking the risk to mm-hmm. bring in a new technology and, and get up and running with that have you had any experience of that
1: just about every day um and i give you the standard consulting answer it depends it depends on the company it depends on the sector it depends on the particular um, application and, and the why additive is being considered. Um, you know, the, some of the macro tailwinds for our industry are a need to reshore. We I mean, went globalization and there's a lot of reasons where people are saying, hey, we have to reshore it. And it's not just geopolitical risk, although that is front and center for everyone. Um, but you know, the, the, the logistics become a risk to so how do you get containers through canals. And so so there's a lot of things that at the business and economic level are driving our industry and, and a lot of people waiting for us to answer the call. Um, but, you know, that's the C-suite discussion. And then once you get down to the floor, um, the reality is, is there's a lot of new on new. And again, you've got to find really valuable applications where you can justify the resources to characterize the risks. Uh, and this is well before you even deploy the equipment and understand how much goodness can you take out of the supply chain? How much can you shrink the supply chain? What's the value of getting a product to shelf ten weeks earlier than you would otherwise if you're doing a tooling or an NPI program? And there's just so many things that go into answering your question that um, I, I don't know that I could answer. I don't know who could answer outside of just looking at the uh, the reports. Um, you know, if it's positive or negative for somebody in the automotive industry versus the healthcare industry versus our industry. Um, but but there's a lot of really smart folks working on the technical problems, the operational problems, and the finance commercial problems that are getting together uh, to make it a more viable adoption.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and my final question, Rush, and uh, thank you for your time today. Me and you were both at um, the AMO conference last week, albeit you were only there for a couple of days from From being at that event and and speaking to to the people, the attendees, um fellow exhibitors, um what is your feel for where the additive manufacturing industry is at right now?
1: Oh, man, that's a big question. Um, it's still moving incrementally. I think that right now there's a lot of discussion about the financial industry um, that's that's swirling around us. Um, And, you know, the the one thing I love about, not the one thing, there's a number of things I love about the AMUG conference, but it's decidedly a technical conference. And so when you get in there and you see the amazing things that folks are doing and the willingness to share in our community, that's continuing. That's not changing. um, And it's progressing. And in some cases, incrementally, in some cases, a little bit better than incrementally. The the conversations that I heard most frequently was um, concerns about whether it was uh, Silicon Valley Bank whether it was, what does this mean for startups? Uh, what does it mean for government funding of AM Forward? Um, there's a there's a distraction factor in what's going on in the financial marketplace and how that impacts uh, what's still a young industry. And so those are the conversations I probably heard more frequently this show than I had in the past. And and uh, again, I, I, I believe that the good companies will get through it and the other ones will find ways to consolidate in and we'll just get stronger as an industry.